thank you for the opportunity to share the Lord's word with you. And I'm not sure whether everyone of you know who I am. <laughs> I'm actually uh, Pastor James of, of this church, and I'm supposed to retire three years ago, but, <laughs> but now I'm still here. And, uh, and uh, Pastor William asked me, asked me what uh, he can introduce me to you, but uh, I say nothing actually, uh, because you know all the things that's gone is past, <laughs> so called. And uh, yeah, if you really want to know a bit more, I don't think you will. But anyway, if you really want want to know me a bit more, then you can ask me individually. And uh, okay, so uh, today I, I'm going to share with you a message of uh, the mystery. I especially use this phone then because I think this phone, the, the shape of the, the characters are a bit mystery. So, so I choose this. I don't know how you feel, but I think it's very mystery because uh, this type of phone usually will, will be used, I think, two or three hundred years ago. Is that, so you don't use this type of phone anymore. But uh, uh, it is for a very old age thing. But anyway, that, is, that can be uh, the gospel or the mystery of gospel can be new whenever it, uh, it is preached, preached to the people. And uh, this is a message from the book of Ephesians. So I want, uh, I hope everyone can uh, open your Bible, turn your Bible to uh, book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 1 to 13. Uh, this, is, this is the first part, the, uh, the first part of the uh, chapter 3 of uh, book of Ephesians. Uh, I hope that you can open your own Bible. If you don't have any Bible uh, beside you, then you can uh, look at the screen. That uh, I need to look at the screen because the, the words in the Bible are too small for me. Okay, <laughs> but, but it's good for you. Okay, let us read together. Okay, now for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of your Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heir together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone that administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which we accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. If you came last night or this morning, uh, maybe this is your second coming today. Uh, if you came this morning, that you may have heard of I preach on this topic. Actually, I, I use the same message, and I hope I can make it uh, slightly different so to uh, help you awake, especially at this time in the afternoon. Uh, and, the, and the light. Actually, I need some more light. Okay, let, let there be light. Okay, so we... So uh, that's the light. Now, when, when we are reading this passage, I don't know what you feel, but uh, quite a lot of people, light's gone. <laughs> a lot of people will, will, will feel that uh, this is actually, uh, you, you doubt if this passage is really for you and for me. Now, why? Because you can see there's a lot of I, me, mine, uh, words like that here. It's first person, singular. Uh, that means the, the passage actually is supposed for Paul, the writer, Paul himself. It's not for us, not for the church nowadays, or modern, day, modern churches. Uh, it's very personal. 
That is what he understands that uh, this is the revelation from God, is the mystery of the gospel, or you can call it a mystery of Christ. Now, usually in church, we, we put a, a equivalent sign between these two phrases. That is, mystery of God and mystery of Christ actually the same, same thing. It's because our gospel actually is Christ. Isn't it right? Yeah. So, what we are preaching is uh, preaching Christ. And at the same time, we call uh, this is the gospel. Now, so when, when Paul is writing this passage that, that he was writing about himself, now if you read very carefully from the very beginning, that you, you found that uh, actually Paul was about to start a prayer. So in the English Bible, most of the translations, uh, you can't see that word. But if you read the Chinese Bible, especially the, we call it the uh, Union Version, then you can see there's a short phrase, at the end, and saying that uh, now I want to pray for you, but suddenly it co goes to chap uh, to to the the, uh, the second verse, and he was he was uh, telling them that uh, he know he he knew the 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 mystery of God, the God uh, the gospel was a mystery that revealed to him. So it it is about himself and what he know about, and um, and so you feel oh it is not for me. Now, if you have read Ephesians uh, some time ago, and you know this book well, then most probably when you're reading through that, you, you want to jump into the, the, second, the second part of chapter 3. It's because uh, usually we'll consider the second part of the Ephesians, uh, the chapter 3 of Ephesians is the core. It's the core of the whole book. It's the, the most important thing. And the main theme of the book actually is in the second part of the chapter 3 in Ephesians which will be preached next week. I don't know who is going to preach there. Pastor Albert? Okay. Then actually, suppose me, suppose I'm, I come next week, but, but Pastor Albert thought, oh, this big passage. Oh, no, James, James, you go away and let me, <laughs> and then go, let me uh, so ask me to come here and to do a certain introduction. And then uh, Pastor Albert can preach the next one. So actually, I personally think that you should not break it into two parts two halves, and then to read the first part, and then the, the, read the, the second part next week. You're supposed to read through the whole chapter. So I give you this as your homework uh, this week, and read the whole chapter three during this week at least five times, so that you know that uh, why I, I stress that, that so much, that is because I consider it really important. So this part, actually, that uh, we have the impression that it is Paul's message is not ours. Now, unfortunately, it's not just me, not just you, but even a lot of the, many of the commentary writers, uh, they think the same thing. So you read a lot of uh, commentaries, and the, the writer will just, just try to uh, write something, and then will skip and then jump to the uh, second part. It is really the, the core uh, that is very important. That is to telling that how wide, how deep, how high that Christ's love is. And that is the, you, you know that is the climax, is it? That is the Christ, Christ's love. But actually, I personally think that this passage is still quite important. Uh, even though that is, so, that is for Paul, but it, is, it talks about how we grow in our spirit and how church life should be. So that is personally, that is still quite important for us. And, and when I was reading through and studying through this passage, uh, especially for this sermon, then I found that actually it's very excited to read this part is because more or less like Paul is telling you that oh, something, something very good and very important is coming. Now in verse 2, Paul says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Now he says here that God has given, given him a certain responsibility to administer God's grace. Now, for the word grace, I don't know how you understand about grace. What do you think about graces? We usually say God's grace to administer the responsibility, uh, to do the job that God has given us. Uh, that is, we, we don't rely on that. We don't think, oh, this is the, the work that we have to do and then to, to win the salvation. But once we got saved, we need to work to, to have some performance, uh, sorry, to, to, have, to have do something that for, for God, 
uh, for uh, actually it's not really for God, but for uh, for our our own selves. So this is this is the grace that uh, Paul is talking here. So actually, it's not just not just uh, Paul is saying that uh, in the New Testament there is another apostle. Uh, we know him very well. There is Peter. Uh, even apostle Peter in First Peter. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 10, and Peter says that uh, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. So you can see that even Peter is encouraging the, uh, his audience. Now actually, at that time, both Paul and Peter is talking to the uh, we so-called, at that time, called Gentile Christians. You know what Gentile is? Actually, we are Gentiles. Uh, all those people who are non-Jews. You're not Jews? Any, any Jews here? A lot of people will be holding a cup of juice, maybe. Uh, but not that juice, okay? <laughs> yeah, once I went to the Holy Land and, uh, and the guy said, that, oh, you know, we have the best juice in the world. Uh, what, what juice? Juice and juice, you, you have the good Jewish people and bad Jewish people. He said, no, no, no. We have the best juice best juice, orange juice, uh, grape juice, and all types of juice in the world. Uh, so juice means the essence of the fruit, fruit so it's good. Uh, so it's a, so we, are, we are Gentiles, we are not Jews. Uh, we are Gentiles. So, uh, and, and we know that Gentile Christians are taking over uh, the church nowadays, and so Jewish Christians actually comparatively in a very small amount. Now Paul, in this, in this uh, passage, he implicitly is saying that uh, he's, he is suffering for the Lord. Now you can see this word here in the, chap- in the first uh, few um, verses, but you can see Paul was saying that he is a prisoner for Christ. Now, what does it mean by prisoner in prison for Christ? What, is, what does it mean? Now, if you live in, you live in New Zealand and when you visit the, the prisons in New Zealand, you, you can't see there is a suffering because you know that is very luxury uh, in the New Zealand prisons. Uh, I heard of that uh, uh, for every prisoner in the prison that the government needs to spend at least, I think, $24,000 a year to serve, to serve a prisoner. So they, they have ground heat, they have a tel- TV, they have, uh, say, uh, what, internet time uh, every day, it's like that, uh, and even single bedroom and something like that. So, but at, in the first century, in the Middle East, uh, it is totally different. Now, the, the prisons at that time actually is just a, a hole in the rock, in the hole. Uh, and then the prisoner, prisoner just throw into the hole, into the hole, and they stay there 24 hours a day. Uh, you know what? What does it mean by 24 hours a day? You have the food there, and then do everything there. So after eating, then you need to go somewhere. You can't. You stay in the room, in, in the hole, and do everything. So you can imagine uh, uh, that is really poor condition. Uh, so it is a really a big uh, suffering there. So and and Paul, when he he was mentioning that uh, he uh, suffered for the Lord, but he it seems that he mentioned it very lightly. Uh, just, oh, just in prison for, for Christ, and that's it. And then go on uh, to other things. Uh, that means what? That means Paul actually is focusing on the Lord, focusing on the gospel, and focusing on his audience of the gospel. He's not focusing on his own suffering. He doesn't take uh, his suffering as so important, so uh, affecting his work. Now in verse 13, now Paul even says that uh, his suffering is actually the glory of his audience. Now when you read, read, read the Bible uh, just before now, that you know, you, if you still can remember. So to him, the gospel is far more significant than the environment that he is meeting. Now, when we try to uh, preach the gospel, that uh, uh, sometimes that we still can meet some hardship. I don't know how much or how often you preach the gospel to your friends. Uh, one of the ladies in the Mandarin Fellowship next door, and she told me that uh, she likes to preach the gospel and try uh, and, and then tell people about Jesus. And she she swims every morning in the Lloyd Small Park in the swimming pool. Whoever she meets, then she'll ask, "Are you a Christian? 
do you know who is Jesus? And I go on. And she told me that more than 99% of the chances that she got someone will scroll at her, at her and say, hey, why are you disturbing me? I don't like Jesus or something like that. And sometimes even uh, say, oh, you are a witch or something like that. Uh, so, you know, it is, uh, we, when you are preaching the gospel, it's not always a good experience. But for that lady uh, from the Mandarin Fellowship, she's very happy and said that I have the chance to preach the gospel. Uh, maybe she doesn't know much about the gospel, but she's very happy and very uh, think it is very enjoyable because he's doing something for the Lord. Now, in the so here that uh, uh, Paul is saying saying that the gospel is for your for your glory. It is a certain form of glory. It's not not a, some, something that being insulted, but uh, but the glory. Now, actually, in the early church, uh, in uh, Book of Acts. Uh, book of Acts, chapter 5, 41, uh, verse 41. And here it says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Okay, you see that? Quite interesting. It's a very interesting verse. He said, Counted worthy of suffering disgrace of the name. Have you ever thought of? You are counted worthy of suffering for Christ. Uh, counted worthy of beating up by someone uh, because of Christ. Now, actually, Paul and uh, Peter and John, all those early apostles, they did. They did like that. Now, this actually, this verse actually is describing Peter and John. So, you know, uh, they, 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 they think they, they are worthy of, of uh, counted worthy of suffering, disgrace for, for Jesus. Now, for this passage that we have just read, the core of this, uh, this passage is about mystery. So my topic is the mystery of gospel or mystery of Christ. Uh, so it's the mystery. Now, as mentioned in uh, verse 3, uh, the word actually appears in this passage altogether four times in the NIV version of the Bible. Now, if you read the Chinese Bible, there are five times. Uh, just because the language... Uh, difference in language, so some some languages four times, uh, some five, five times. But at at least in NYV, that is four times. So that means what? Now in such a short passage from uh, because the verse one, a lot of people say that it should continue on to the, uh, verse fourteen. So it's from verse two to thirteen altogether, twelve verses, and you can see that Paul mentioned mystery four times. So it is very, uh, very uh, significant word in this passage. Now, Paul is calling uh, this message is uh, th this mystery is a revelation, revelation to him, and of course we know the revelation to Paul is unique. It's not uh, similar to, uh, not the same as the for uh, God's um, say uh, the calling uh, for the other people. Now, if you read the book. Of Acts, do you know that uh, Paul's calling uh, is similar to only a few people, less than a handful. Now, at, in the book of Acts, only Paul got that type of calling. Other than Paul, maybe you can count Peter. You remember that Peter once that he was very hungry, like what I am now, and then he walked in, in the roof, and then uh, God laid uh, a large piece of cloth, and then with a lot of animals and insects in it. And, and Peter said, oh, no, 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 I can't eat this. But God said, I clean it, so it is clean. So, so you know, you cannot, you know, for, for Jews, a lot of uh, things that they consider is clean and unclean. You know, some unclean, like, what are unclean things? What, what did you eat in, for lunch this, this afternoon or this morning? Do you eat pork? You know, pork is unclean. Pork is unclean, so you are not supposed to eat pork, and you are not supposed to eat uh, fish without scale. Is it called scale? <laughs> Scales, and, and uh, so you, you can eat prawns or, or, or crabs or lobster, those things, are, uh, those are unclean. So, and God say, says to uh, Peter, now, I clean, then you cannot consider it as unclean. So this is the quote. And then Peter went to preach the gospel to a Gentile. Okay? So uh, uh, Peter got, got a similar calling as, uh, as Paul. Other than him, then there's another person called Philip. 
You know, Philip is not uh, uh, Apostle Philip, but the, the other one, then we usually call it the, the six people who take care of meals, uh, take care of, uh, uh, say, distributing meals, uh, lunch boxes, maybe, uh, to, the, to, the, to the widows uh, at that time. And, and, and Philip once that went to the uh, to, to road down to Gaza. Uh, Gaza actually is the, um, the coastal part, south, southern coastal part of Israel. So and preached the gospel to to a to a certain official from Africa. So it's also a Gentile. Now, other than those two people, uh, there may be Barnabas. Barnabas and is a colleague to Paul. So and then any other. I can't think of any, any other, maybe one or two, but I'm not quite sure, but I can't think of anyone. So you can see that the calling of Paul actually is quite unique, is to pre preach the gospel to the uh, Gentiles. Now, in, um, to, for Jews at that time, that like Paul himself is a Jew, so for Jews at that time, that, uh, they, they, uh, there are barriers between the Jews and Gentiles, they are not allowed culturally and they are not allowed to cross the barrier. Uh, that is supposed that you uh, preached it last time, is it? Last week, and preached it uh, in the temple, there is a, uh, a wall, of, uh, called a dividing wall. So uh, Jews can worship inside, but Gentiles are not allowed to go inside. But you can worship, but outside there. Uh, that is the part that where Jesus cleans the temple. Uh, that is the part. That's why uh, Jesus said that uh, this is supposed that the praise, the worship praise, or the praying praise for all nations. That means for the Gentiles, they are supposed to go there. Uh, but because they they make it uh, very messy, so uh, Jesus was upset. So now you can we can see this is uh, very special for for Paul. It's different from any other people. But for nowadays, that we don't we are not supposed to have that barrier anymore. If you set a barrier like that, then maybe uh, you will be in trouble because you are doing racial discrimination. Nowadays, actually we know we, we do, have, but at least theoretically we can. So we, we are not allowed to have that. But at, at the time of Paul, it is official. It is you, you're supposed not to meet with Gentiles if you are a Jew. But Paul says in here, in verse 6, he said that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. It is totally impossible at the time. Uh, you know that when Jesus started to preach the gospel at the, um, chapter 4 of Luke, uh, he was just reading, reading the scripture and then say that oh, God saved the uh, some, some people who are non-Jews and make the Jews the other Jewish people very angry, and nearly they want to murder uh, Jesus at the time. So you know that this is it's not, not supposed, it's not supposed that uh, the Gentiles are saved. But here, Paul says that uh, the gospel, the, uh, through the gospel, Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Uh, they, are, they are equal parts. Uh, members together of one body. How can it be? But Paul did say that, uh, and share us together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now, as I said before, that uh, nowadays that uh, we found that uh, actually Gentiles are taking over the church. Uh, so Jew, Jewish Christians, actually Jews, they, they won't call themselves uh, Christians. No, if they they become a Christian, they believe in Jesus is the Messiah, then uh, they call themselves uh, Messianic Jews. So they never call themselves Christians. They don't like to be called Christians because they value their Jewish identity very highly. Uh, so, but, we, but usually we, we use Jews as, uh, to say jokes. To be, uh, those mean, very mean people, we call them very Jewish. But, but for the Jews themselves, they take it very, very highly. Uh, a lot, but for us, maybe even when you come to New Zealand, that, uh, you are, say a lot of you are not a lot, a lot. Any other, so I can see at least 90% of us are Chinese. Okay, we have uh, ethnic Chinese, but uh, a lot of people don't, don't, they, they, they don't tell people you are Chinese. You, you tell people, oh, I'm from New Zealand, I'm New Zealander. Do you, do you say that? I'm a Kiwi. 
or maybe uh, called uh, New Zealand born uh, Chinese, and we, we still call ourselves Kiwis, do we? So, so we consider ourselves Kiwis, but we, that means that we don't value Chinese so highly. But for Jews, they value their, their ethnic identity, identity very high, so they don't want to be called Christians. So they, they call themselves Jewish, maybe Jewish Christians, but they, the one side I, I met a, a Jewish people, uh, so I asked him, that, uh, are you a Christian? He hesitated for a few seconds, and they said, I am a true belief in Messiah. <laughs> I'm not a Christian. So he doesn't want to call himself a Christian. But here, that we, we, we see the Gentile Christians actually are replacing Jews in modern churches. In a, even in a few years ago, there is a campaign that the people say that let us preach the gospel back to the Jerusalem. Now actually, you, you know where the gospel came from? Actually, it's from Jerusalem. It's more or less like a, say, a circle that goes back uh, to Jerusalem. It's very interesting. And, but actually, this is a fact. So a lot of people say that, well, because Jews don't, don't believe in Jesus, let us preach the gospel to them. Now, this passage we read today tells us that Jews and Gentiles all are on the same footing. We are on the same level and receive the same benefits. Now, Paul actually here it's not just in here, he's preaching that the, the equality between Jews and Gentiles, but it is a general teaching of Paul. Now, you can see that in, in 1 Corinthians, that Paul says, For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, wherever, uh, whether Jews or Greeks. Now, here he said Greeks, actually he's saying that those people, no matter what ethnic background you are, if you are speaking in Greek, uh, then you are called a Greek, or in some of the older um, translations, uh, Hellenistic, uh, those are just uh, to speak in uh, Greek language. Actually, Greek language is the world language at the time, similar as English nowadays. So for those like you, English speakers, uh, then, you say, then you are Greek at the time, <laughs> as, as equal to the to that in, in the New Testament. And slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And in uh, Galatians chapter 3, uh, Paul says again here, and say that uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or, or, or free, uh, free people, and uh, male or female, uh, this here it says male and female. Uh, there is not, not only racial discrimination, but also uh, gender or sexual uh, discrimination. Now, for you and all one Christ Jesus. So, Jews and you, you can say, you can think that uh, think it over. Jews and Gentiles. Now, actually, in, even in in book of John, uh, Gospel of John, that uh, in chapter four tells that uh, the Gentiles and uh, Jews they. They have no relationships. Uh, they, they don't communicate to each other. But even Jews and Gentiles can be united in Christ. Then, no matter what type of difference we have with other people, then why not we can unite together in Christ? Now, so actually, when we, when we tell the gospel, that uh, what, what does it mean by gospel? Gospel means what, how we make peace with God, is it? That is what we are told in the book of Romans, that we make peace with God. But the gospel actually tells us to make peace with people as well. Now, now the, the principle is easy, it's simple. Now, we know that what is the greatest commandment? We need to love God and love people, is it? So when we, when we project to this, to here, that then we say that we the gospel just help us to make peace with God. Then of course, at the same time, make peace with people. Does it make sense? It's very very sensible, is it? Is it? So, gospel asks us to make peace with God and make peace with people. Okay. Now, these are I consider some of the main points in this passage. But how do we apply apply this message? Uh, apply this message into our daily daily living. Now, first of all, and we need to have the same attitude as Paul's towards the revelation from Christ. 
Now, it is very important that we, uh, we need to consider if we don't recognize Christ's gospel as the revelation to us, then the power of the gospel will not work in us. If we don't consider the revelation of the gospel is for us, then it don't, if we don't recognize this, then the power of the gospel will not work in us at all. Does it make sense? If we don't believe the gospel, we don't think the gospel is for us, then how can gospel can work in us? So if you don't think that gospel is for us, that is to make peace with God and make peace with people, then we can, we can never enjoy the benefits of the gospel. Now, every one of us, uh, we live according to a certain value system inside us. Maybe you don't really feel that or you don't recognize that, but actually you are. Uh, you have a certain value system inside you, and the value system in, in, within you actually develops uh, throughout the whole year. My value system may be more complicated than yours because I'm older and you're younger, then it's maybe not so complicated, but you still have a certain uh, value. Uh, that means that you consider some certain things very important, some other things are uh, less important, and some are totally not important, and things like that. Uh, that is the value system that works in us. Now, all Christians have Christian values, and non-Christians will have some non-Christian values. But no matter you're Christian or non-Christian, because we are living in this non-Christian world, that a lot of our, the, the parts of our value system actually is distorted. That is, if, if you study or, or investigate or you think carefully that about your values, what you think is important, you find that some of those actually, you, you don't need that. Uh, it's better to take it away, uh, some of the values. So that, that means that the value actually determines what our destiny will be and what uh, we, we value, we think is more important. Actually, value, this word is different difficult to translate to uh, any other. So this is, we, we value most. Uh, but for, as a Christian, then we know that our ultimate value, our direction actually is supposed to be the gospel, the revelation of, uh, from Christ, from God. So now Paul considers the mystery uh, that he received is the most important task for him, and it is the privilege to be a gospel uh, preacher. So he will give up whatever needs to preach the gospel for for the purpose, just for 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 gospel. He can give up anything that he he can. Uh, he will. And now at that time, that we know Paul actually is a, one of the greatest. Philosophers at, at the time, uh, even though maybe outside the Bible that you don't you don't see much about uh, about Paul, but actually Paul is a student from uh, one of the greatest greatest uh, Greek philosophers, uh, a Jewish Greek philosophers at the time. So he's actually is a is a scholar and a theologian. But for him, but it is very interesting that he said that he was the least than the late. Uh, less than the least of all God's people. That is, when he think of the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, and think of his identity, that he found that he is less than the least of the people because of the greatness of the gospel. Now in First uh, Corinthians, uh, Corinthians and chapter 2, Paul says, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with, when I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now for Paul, actually nothing is important. Uh, for him, the, the only important thing is Christ and, he, and him crucified. That is what the grace that we know, is that the Christ we know. Now the gospel of grace, Christ's suffering, resurrection and return, and the unity of the believers. Now, all these are our prime beliefs. All those things are very important for us. As uh, some of the deacons and the leaders were having our meeting last, uh, 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 
one or two weeks ago, then we, we decided whether we, uh, the church will go on uh, under level two or whatever. And then the people say that, uh, a lot of people say, uh, most of the leaders say that, oh, okay, then let us go like uh, streaming. And so we don't have uh, a physical <laughs> worship here. But then one of the leaders said, no, but not for English service because they, lead, they, they like to meet each other. Is that true? So they have to. Even you say that, oh, you, we, we do streaming, but the young people will still will come. <laughs> you, you have no choice, then we have to, to go on. That's why last week, just last week, that uh, uh, we don't have the service here on Saturday night and uh, Monday, uh, Sunday morning, but English uh, services still go on. And some of you may know that it's very more interesting that English service just keep on every morning in this whole week. Whole, whole week. You know that? Keep live streaming for the whole week <laughs> because uh, people there forgot to switch off <laughs> the camera. <laughs> so, so be- because we we like we like we, we like to go come together as Christians. Actually, this this is where uh, of our Christians. So, you, unity of believers are the, our prime uh, belief here. So in here, Paul says that this is the, the words here in, in verse 8, he used the word unsearchable. And then in verse 10, he says to use another word called manifold. Now in verse 8 and 10, so this is telling that the gospel actually is, is unsearchable and in manifold to mean that how big, how wide the gospel is and how deep uh, the gospel is. Now, so gospel actually is not, is not the message that the pastor preached in the gospel relay. Uh, it's not, not that one. It's not the testimony that you tell the people how you believe a Christian. Uh, that is gospel, but it is not, not the, so, the, the big gospel that uh, we are referring to. Uh, gospel is not even that you, know, you become a Christian and you get a heavenly passport, then make sure that you get the citizenship of the uh, king, kingdom of God and you are sure that you can enter the heaven uh, after this life. It's not just that. What, what, is, what is gospel and what is, what is the gospel message? Gospel message is your loving in this world and in eternity. Okay? Gospel actually is your loving in this world and in eternity. Other than that, and gospel also includes your repentance, your repentance of sin, and your discipleship, and your unity of believers, forgive and forgiven. Now that is a Christian living. We say that a Christian living to the fullness, uh, to the fullness. Now Jesus once used a metaphor of a pure, a pure. You like pills? Maybe modern people don't, they like, don't like pills, you like diamond, maybe. Uh, but uh, at, at Jesus' time, they actually, they don't know what diamond is. Uh, so if he knows that he will use diamond. But, but uh, at that time, pure, a pure actually is the most valuable uh, thing. So uh, Jesus used the uh, metaphor of pure to uh, explain the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew uh, chapter 13, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, to sold everything and bought it, that means to pay the cost. Is that to pay the cost of the, uh, maybe you say that is the price, uh, pay the cost of the, uh, the pearl as the uh, metaphor for the gospel. That means that now, actually, actually, we, we say to pay the pay the cost for the gospel is what you what you are willing to pay, or what how much how much you are willing to pay for something that you treasure, like this person, this merchant that he is worth everything he had. Okay, now for the gospel, uh, Paul is willing to pay the cost of being in prison. I said that in prison at that time is pain and shame. Uh, both pain and shame. He actually pays more, more than in prison. Now you can see in uh, the second, second Corinthians chapter 11, and Paul says, 
it's quite a long, uh, long passage. He says that I have worked much harder, being, uh, uh, harder compared to the other apostles. He said that I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Why 40 lashes minus one? Because according to the law, the Old Testament law, that you beat up someone that you can't beat more, more than 40. If you beat up to 40, if the person dies, that is murder. If you beat up to 39, then the person dies, then there is no guilt. Uh, if you beat to 40 or 41 and the person dies, then you are murdered. <laughs> your murder. So that, so that is why the people, they count uh, the lashes up to 40. But in case they count it wrong, so to safeguard them, then they beat up to 39. So make sure that if they make a mistake, they still have one reserve. So they won't make sure that uh, they won't commit into that type of uh, murder. So 40 minus one. Now three times I was beaten with frost. Once I was stoned. Now, actually, it's very interesting to say that it's one, once I was stoned. According to the Old Testament law, that once got stoned, then have to stone to death. Remember that in the Book of Acts, it says that Paul once got stoned, and the people th thought oh, he was dead. He, he did. So took it out to the uh, outside the, the city, the city wall. Uh, because according to the Old Testament law, that a person, a criminal, dies, that must not be it inside a city wall. So he has to bring it out, bring him out. So take him, but Paul wake and stand up, stood up and went back to into the city. Uh, so he stoned once and three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. Where am I? And then yeah, uh, I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from um, bandits, uh, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have been often gone without sleep. I have, nowadays, without sleep is not really that bad, is it? especially if you have your uh, cell phone with you. I have known uh, hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. So you can see the poor actress paying the price even more than in prison. In prison. Uh, so you say that he paid more than the other apostles. That means poor actress willing to pay the prices that no one can pay. Uh, now Paul encourages, not just himself, but encourage his, uh, we call his spiritual son, Timothy. And you know that Timothy actually is a Paul's uh, student and uh, his disciple and uh, so-called his uh, spiritual son. And he tell uh, Timothy that, so do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You don't know if you love your son or your, your, your child that you won't ask him to suffer. But, but Paul tells Timothy that is don't feel ashamed to testify for the Lord. Uh, don't feel ashamed to be in the prison. Now, so when we consider that, think it very carefully that what price are we willing to pay for the gospel? Now, maybe you say that in New Zealand, that when we pray, uh, preach the gospel, we don't need to pay that much, is it? We don't have to suffer that much. But nowadays, that we, when we are preaching the gospel, we tend to downplay, downplay uh, the cause of the gospel. So people can accept it. So the people, when they listen to the gospel, then they can accept the gospel much easier. Like, when you become, a, uh, they say that uh, when you become a, a believer, then everything will be good for you, and it won't you you won't suffer anymore. You have no pain and everything like that. So like Mona and uh, on, on the Lafis and I said, oh, what would you say to the people when you preach the gospel and say, oh, uh, you you'll be you'll find every day and you can gain, uh, you'll become the richest person in the world, and even you bring po you drink poison and you won't die. Uh, is that true? No, are you sure? Are you sure? The Bible did say that. <laughs> in the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 6, 
16, uh, verse 17 and 18. It did say that even you drink poison and you won't die like that. But, but think it very carefully. The whole gospel of Mark, it got only two verses saying like that. But the whole book, we usually use a, a metaphor to, to say uh, the, the symbol to tell uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because it's a lion. Lion is the king, is it? And then uh, a bull, a cow, uh, actually it's a buffalo. It's <laughs> for, for Mark, and then a Persian, a human being for, for Luke, and a eagle, an eagle for, for John because we go fast high, it's like that. So for Gospel of Mark, it is the uh, uh, buffalo. It's a, it's a, it's a cow. That, uh, that means in, in Chinese, we know that that means what? It works very hard to be a, a disciple, to be a worker, and you need to work very hard. So there are only two verses in the, in the Gospel of Mark telling you that oh, you have the benefits of like this and like that. So you can see that 99% is telling that you need to work hard uh, for the gospel. So something quite, quite interesting. You have never imagined that, is it? The Bible will, will ever say verse like that. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, that is supposed that the week before last that you have heard of, that uh, in uh, verses 8 to 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from us, yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's the, the verse that we memorized last, last month, is it? That uh, we are saved by grace and saved by faith. Now, and of course, this is absolute. Uh, it, is, it is the truth. But we are saved by faith, by grace, not by what we've done. But, but don't use this as an excuse so that we don't, we have, we don't need to do anything. Uh, but we say, oh, salvation, that we don't need to do anything. But now Christianity is not, is not a religion of works. So we don't rely on work. But... Christianity is pretty much a religion of action. Okay? It's not a religion of works, but it is a religion of actions. You know the difference? No, action is what, no, not quite. So, this is, uh, I, I'm not saying that it's, it's all, it's all the meaning of uh, Christianity, but it's pretty much, uh, quite much, that uh, it is uh, action. Did, uh, ask us to do something. It's not do for our salvation, but as a Christian that you need to do something. Okay, so you, you see the difference. Now, and a lot of people say that, oh, uh, you, you need to, uh, so-called discipleship is to learn, to grow, to grow spiritually, that you, you have to learn the Bible and know how to uh, work for uh, Christ, like that. And a lot of people say that you don't, you don't, uh, it is, it is quite true that you say that you, know, um, you, you do as much as you know. Don't try to be a saint in one day. Okay? Don't try to be a saint in one day, but you do as you know. Now, if this is true, if this word is true, then you can say that the modern church actually knows nothing. Think carefully. If it is true to say that you do as much as you know. If this is true, then the church, the modern church, including all the Christians, most, most of the Christians, actually know nothing. That means we are not doing anything here. Is that correct? Quite largely, is it? Now, we often say that serving the Lord is the gift. We give to the Lord. Do we say that? We do. Yeah, we serve the Lord, so we give, it is a gift that we Give to the Lord, so we have to do our best. Is that we we offer the best to the Lord? But this passage we read today tells us that serving the Lord is actually a gift from the Lord. It's not our gift to the Lord, but a gift from the Lord. Now, actually, uh, in English, this word is quite quite good uh, translation. Uh, God gave us what? Gave us the spiritual. Gift. What does he mean by gift? The gift is a gift. It's a present from the Lord. 
Listen. So you have the chance to serve the Lord actually is a gift. It's not the things that you give to the Lord, but from the Lord. Especially during lockdown, then you know <laughs> it is quite uh, very true. Uh, so you, you understand that uh, serving the Lord actually is the grace that God gave us. And the Lord will bless us, uh, bless the other people through us. So this is a, a grace from God. Now, if you think that we serve the Lord well, or maybe you say that we, we serve the Lord not well enough, but Paul says in verse 8, although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentile the insurgible riches of Christ. So that, that means that it's not how good we do. It's not how good we do, but how good is your attitude to serve others, to serve the Lord. That is more important. So the attitude to serve is more than what exactly what we have done. Now this passage actually reminds us to live a church life of unity. Uh, because uh, Jews and Gentiles, they are on the same footing. We need to unite with them. Now this message actually will... Uh, Actually, this, uh, this, this, past, this message this is about unity. We'll, we'll be more, uh, talk more about it more in chapter 4 and 5 of Ephesians. So I'm not going to spend too much time on it on the, here. And we live in a unity. does not mean that we like other people, we like other Christians, or we talk same, uh, similar like the other Christians, or you do, we do the same job as the other Christians, or, or we don't even agree with the other, other Christians. But we need to know that we have the same Lord, and we have the same life from the Lord, and we share the same benefits from the gospel. So without Christ, there is no unity. Without Christ, there's no unity. We have to be united within Christ, and within Christ alone, like the song that we have just sang. And so that we... We actually, uh, the gospel we own actually is the greatest love of God. He sacrificed himself and then to give us the salvation and give us the, the, the gift to serve him. Now, so the challenge here in this passage, as I said from the beginning, it looks not really that uh, significant, not so important, but actually the challenge brought to us is really significant. Now we are not allowed to ignore Ignored. It is more or less like a command that, uh, from Paul that asks us to live, live out this. Now, just as uh, verse 8 says, this is the unsearchable riches of Christ. So that's our pray, prayer. That is the Lord will reveal to us his mystery, which actually in the age past was kept hidden in God and who created all things. So we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So let, there, let this be our vision.